That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver, coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio. Should I go on? There's a lot of them. (laughs) In fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and number two caregiver podcast on Feedspot out of the top 60 and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. What to do when you need others to see things your way for the benefit of your loved one. Deb Brown-Marr is a sales coach, author, and speaker with a passion to eliminate the negative stereotype of sales by teaching people how to sell from a position of integrity. Yay! Deb shares her methods in her book and video training called Sell Like Jesus. Love it. Uh, Seven Characteristics of Christ for Ethical Sales. But what Dr. Deb teaches isn't just for sales. She also works with pastors, coaches, hospice workers, parents, family, and friends who must get buy-in to accomplish specific outcomes. Sounds like a caregiver. <laughs> She's a POA for her 95-year-old mother and has to constantly negotiate with workers at the 24-hour nursing care facility where her mom lives now. You're going to share your caregiving insights as well as some selling skills that have helped you get the best possible outcomes for your mom under difficult circumstances. And before we get started, I do want to thank my last week's guest, Armina Kehessian, encouraging caregivers to live abundantly with her core values to empower, enlighten, and build together to form a hopeful community. And just a reminder, that show and all our shows, including this one, uh, you can watch or listen to on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of our other 26 global networks that I mentioned earlier. Okay, enough of that. Dr. Deb, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you so much, Dave. And I have to acknowledge the the doctor designation is a promotion for me. If I'm a doctor of anything, it's PhD, past having doubts. (laughs) PhD past having doubts. What does that mean? (laughs) That means when I have to stand up for what's right, I don't shrink back. I don't doubt myself because when you advocate for a loved one, if you don't speak up, chances are no one else is going to. That's true. So doubts will keep us from taking steps that will help others um, when when that's when we are the only way that they have. Cool. Uh, you are a caregiver. You yeah. were the oldest daughter of four children, and your mother depended on you for emotional support. She lost her husband, two thousand three, and um, she had her own apartment, and you took pretty good care of her. You were the primary caregiver there, weren't you? I was. I was at that point. And now she's in a facility because obviously she got worse. That's really hard determining when do we take our loved one out of the home and put them in a facility because that's so painful, especially if they made you swear that you would never put them in a nursing home. But, uh, you know, for those who are living in guilt on the promise of, uh, I promised I'd never put you in a home, but now they're 24-7 care and you can't do that. You're going to kill yourself. 
Um, I recommend you change the promise. Say, hey, remember I made that promise uh, that I would never put you in nursing home. I've got to change that because I can't do that anymore because I'm killing myself. Now I will promise you to give you the best care possible, humanly possible. And so uh, I think you get away with that. That way you save your life and your loved one is happy because if, if you die, you can't take care of her, right? Right. So I like to ask my guests, just who are you? So who is Deb Brown Marr and why was she placed on this earth? So I am someone who loves deeply and quickly. And I love, ever since I was a child, I loved helping people. And interestingly, that uh, one of the ways that manifested was by selling things, even as a kid. So I made these crazy little loopy pot holders. Oh, wow. I remember those from the 70s. Yes. And the, <laughs> and the little tool that made them. <laughs> exactly. Yep. A little metal loom and the loops and you weave them and then you cast off the edges. So I would make these by the dozens and mom could only use so many in the kitchen. So I ended up going around the neighborhood selling them to the neighbor ladies and sold out, so I had money. I could buy more loops and make hot <laughs> And it was, mom loved it because it kept me busy. It How was old were you? Outlet. I was eight when oh, I wow. started. Yeah. Great first job. So um, I just, I enjoy helping mm-hmm. people by meeting their needs. So it's no surprise that out of the four of us children, I've ended up being the one that my mother depends on the most. Yes, the chosen one. <laughs> yes. yes, but I'm I am blessed that my <laughs> siblings participate. Oh good. One in the way that they are able. Um, but I am the emotional support for my mom. And how far away is she? It's a two hour drive, which okay. is a challenge. <laughs> well, it's better that she's two hours away in a place that uh, is good for her than a place that's uh, closer and good for you, but maybe not so good for her. We right. had to make that same choice for my mother. We chose a place that uh, was about a 35-minute drive, but we would have much rather had her like five minutes away. But right. this one was much better. You know, it's hard finding a facility that is good for them. Um, sometimes it's like looking for a needle in a haystack. I, nine out of 10 of them, I wouldn't put my cat in. So you really, really have to do your homework. You have to, um, you know, well, I should ask you, what did you do to make sure that the facility you put her in was a good one? What's the process that someone has to go through? Because that's their biggest fear that they don't want to pick a bad one. How did you make sure the one she's in is not a bad one? So there were multiple interviews and physical tours of the different. Were they announced or unannounced? <laughs> um, they were all by appointment, um, but we were able to see different aspects of the facility and talk with residents as well as. That's staff. good. And so it, we were very blessed to find a place in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. If anybody listening knows where that is. Uh It's run by Mennonites. And it's more more like a a ministry than a business. Of course, it is a business. 
but they care deeply for the residents. And that's why mom and dad are up there. It's almost like a Jewish home. They take very good care of their elderly as well. So uh, obviously when you went in there, it passed the smell test. Some, some places when you go in, the first thing you smell is like a, a cat litter box. Yeah. So you don't want that. And then you want to look down the hallway and see if these people are actively uh, involved in something or they just get uh, littered uh, along the hallway, staring at the wall, you know, yeah. like the lights are on and no one's home. Uh, and so many places are like that. That's why you want to do your homework and good for you that you found a great place. So tell me a little bit about what led you to write a sales book called Sell Like Jesus. As someone who has made her living at sales, it was very important to me to be able to do it in a way that was congruent with my values. And, you know, sales doesn't have the best reputation. Uh-huh. It's kind of second to the bad jokes about lawyers. Yeah. And, you know, people will say things like a good salesman can sell ice to Eskimos, which honestly, if you think about it, that's <laughs> manipulation. That's not meeting a need that is preying on someone's emotions. So I didn't like being treated that way. So I was not going to treat other people that way. So I had to find a way to sell, that I could make money. Yes, sales is about making money. That's important. Without sales, every single business would fail. So it's very important. But when you do it in a way, you can, you can actually elevate the way you sell to the position of servant leadership. So by serving the prospect... I help them discover through a conversation what they really want and need. And since I know my product or service better than they do, I'm in a position to say whether I have a good fit or not. And if I don't, I'm not going to sell them something. I'm not going to sell them less than what they need. If they make the decision they want to buy from me anyway, I will take their money, but only after I'm very clear and make sure that they truly are happy with their decision. Because who needs backouts? That just Mm -hmm. causes trouble on the back end and bad press. So my book was a culmination of being able to express what I ended up doing and how I did it in a way that other people can actually read the book, learn, practice, and shift the way that they sell. And I was ecstatic when a woman at my church who bought the book, who does hospice care, came up to me and she said, Deb, I got to tell you, This is helping me so much navigate between my patient and her family because Mm. they keep trying to make her do things that she doesn't want to do. And and I've been able to advocate for her so much better after reading your book. 
And it was, that was a light bulb moment for me, Dave, because what it told me was that when you're good at sales, you're really just good at communicating. Right. You all end up having to sell in air quotes in at some point every day, whether it's parents selling their kids on doing the right thing, or in my case, selling my mom on going to exercise classes because the more sedentary she is, the worse her physical state becomes. And she hates exercising. So yeah, I can't just say, mom, do it because it's good for you. Yeah, that works. No. <laughs> so it's another word for negotiation. It is. Yes. We're always very... negotiating. Yeah. So what made you want to speak to my audience today when we met in New York at the uh, National Publicity Summit? You had a choice of uh, all sorts of people and you chose uh, us. What, was, what were you thinking? So I was thinking two things, two, two skills that have been critical. Um, one is the art of asking questions. And of course, listening goes side by side with that. And the other is something I already mentioned. It's being willing to stand your ground and not back down mm. because, it, especially when it comes to our loved ones, if I don't speak up for my mom, she is afraid to speak up for herself. Mm. She is afraid of retribution, even though there has never been anything like that. There is a paranoia that sets in that if she's a squeaky wheel, she's going to be mistreated. So wow. she wants to go along, get along, doesn't want to, she doesn't even want to ask for help to get down to meals when her legs are failing her. She doesn't, wow. she doesn't want to ask for someone to help wheel her down. Where do you think all that came from? I'm not exactly sure, Dave. <laughs> I really am not. Um, she just, I think she wants to be loved. She's very gregarious. People pleaser. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, those were the things that I thought would be beneficial for your audience. Mm. Yeah, I so agree. I, I could share a story that happened recently. Um, with my mom. Yeah. So now your mom has been in assisted living for five years now. Right. Right. So, so uh, you've had many situations. Go ahead and share one. Yeah. There's a, a doctor on staff, of course, and physician's assistants. And the doctor, unbeknownst to me, the doctor set up a DEXA scan appointment for my mother. Okay. So what's in, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> bone density. Scan. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> 95. Okay. She's 95. So, yes. Okay. So why do we have to get a bone? Yeah. Density? I mean, what's, what are you going to learn from it? <laughs> She's made it this far. What are we going to do about it? If we learn anything. Right. So this involves paying for transportation it involves 
the the scheduling of the timing, which they always seem to schedule her at mealtime, which means she misses a meal, which is an emotional upset. They take her to the facility. She gets in the room with a technician. It is a cold, skinny, metal, flat bed that she has to lie down on and lie still she can barely move. She can barely walk. So she sat on the table and did, and felt like she was going to fall and could not bring herself to lie down. So the technician was no help and basically <laughs> said, then I'm not going to do the test. Now, of course, I wasn't there. There was no one there with her. I didn't even know this test was going on. I hear about it later when mom is totally upset. So they didn't take the test. She didn't take the test. She paid $50 for the transport. And now the doctor, two months later, wants to reschedule the DEXA scan. Thank God that the nurse called me because I'm the power of attorney so she called me to say, we're going to get your mom rescheduled for a DEXA scan. I said, what? Please tell me, what is going to be different this time? <laughs> right? Now, I could have just gone off and said, no way, not doing <laughs> it. This is ridiculous. Right? Yeah. But, that, you know, respecting my mother... That would be making waves. (laughs) So I use the questioning technique. What is going to be different? Well, I don't know. Okay. Why does the doctor want the DEXA scan? Um, Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Let me see. Looking through the the, uh, chart. Well, she was diagnosed with osteoporosis in 2016. I said, that's news to me. I have never (laughs) heard that. So what was done about it? Well, they increased her vitamin D. Yep, that's good. I totally agree with that. And the DEXA scan is going to do what? The nurse looked at me and she said, I'll tell the doctor we're not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Victory. Yay. So I didn't even tell my mother. I did not even tell her that happened because all it would have done is upset her. Right. So that was one of those crises I was able to avert on my mom's behalf. With yeah. the cooperation of the nursing staff. Yeah, same thing happened to my aunt who has dementia. She's 84 and she's with Kaiser. Mm-hmm. Um, and they well, they want, they just out of the clear blue scheduled a, a bone density scan. And I said, why? <laughs> uh, they really didn't give me an answer. And I says, you know what? She's 84. She's made it this far. She's. She, you know, I think anybody who's 84 knows that I better not fall because I might break something. Uh, whether you have osteoporosis or not, whether your bones are brittle or not, it's no good to fall. So, I mean, that's just logic. So, I wasn't going to put her through that. I mean, it's bad enough. She had to get a um, an MRI to get a baseline on her brain. 
that was hard oh and goodness. I wasn't, you know, and it was necessary. Yeah. Cause you know, you can see how far the uh, dementia, but, but now the more I think about it, I said, you know, that probably wasn't even necessary, but I think they wanted to rule out, you know, maybe um, there was something else going on causing her memory loss and not dementia. So that's, that was the only purpose of that one to, to, right. to either confirm dementia or, Oh, it's not dementia. It's, it's this other thing, you know, and whatever, and maybe through a surgery, we can fix your memory. It's, it's pressing on something. So there was a purpose for that, but I said, no, no, not doing it. And so we have to take control of that. Don't, don't just trust, you know, your doctors uh, with every single thing, question them. And if, if they can uh, sell you, <laughs> negotiate that it's a good thing, then go ahead and do it, you know? Yep. Sometimes there is purpose, but when there isn't, yeah. mm-mm. So how has your caregiving approach changed now that she's in 24-7 nursing and you're not caring for her in her home? Well, I do less cooking for her. <laughs> I do no cooking for her. Yeah, that was fun. Making little meals and little packets and freezing them and taking them to grilled, her. Grilled cheese sandwiches. Does she like grilled cheese sandwiches? She did, of course. Grilled cheese and tomato soup. That's an easy one. Favorite growing up. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, whatever I was making for us, I would make extra and just sure. you know, package it. But how? I think I'm going to make one after this show. I just talked myself <laughs> into it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. But no, most of what I do now is to make sure her apartment is clean because they kind of run a vacuum, but they do no dusting. Oh, the apartment in her uh, facility. Yeah. So is she's she in assisted living or is she in a nursing home? So she's in that middle designation she's in 24-hour nursing but it is still her own space oh well, that's nice yes so you've decorated it uh with photos yes. on the wall and and you can come over and visit and have your own private space there she doesn't share yeah. a room with anybody yeah that's yeah it's awesome. very nice it's very nice and does she have a room with a view or a little patio door uh well, the yard or anything like that she has a bay window, but the interesting thing is she sits with her back to the light because of her eyesight, but uh, there's a mirror on the wall in front of her. Oh, well, that's good. Through the mirror, she sees the view of the outdoors, and she's on the second floor, so she's got trees, so green during the summer, and now bare trees, but uh, she'll see the snow. She got to see the leaves changing. So um, that's all good. And I, I do have to say the staff where she is, they all have their favorite residents. And there are three that particularly dote on my mother. So um, I take care of the, the apartment for her. I take care of any paperwork that needs to be done. Um, so, you know, making sure the accounts are kept up and her retirement is where it needs to be and things get paid and picking the Medicare supplement program each year and those kinds of things, um, buying clothes for her, shoes, um, and playing games. Mm. 
all she wants to do when we come to visit. It's play card games or board games or um, Rummy Cube, if you've ever heard of Rummy Cube. No. It's, uh, it's kind of like dominoes, only different. It's uh. just it's easy to play. It's very interactive and anybody can learn how to do it. So I have to ask because, um, you know, I'm looking at you and you're a very beautiful woman. You have beautiful silver hair. Thank Your you. skin is like so soft. I can't see a wrinkle on it. How do you how do you have a 94 year old mother? I mean, that would make you like 74 or 64 or maybe 54. But you don't have the skin of, of someone that old. Did I tell you I got my Medicare card this year? Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yep. Well, you must have good genes then. Your mother must look very young also, I'm assuming. She did for many years. At 95, she is looking her age. Yeah. Yeah. yeah my mother was uh, young like that, too. And when she, she died at 94 and... She looked like she was in her 70s. So anyway, um, what challenges have you faced as a caregiver? I know you have faced many challenges, but I assume they're less since she's in a nursing home. It is much less um, since she's in the home. Um, the uh, You said earlier, the decision to actually go from a standalone apartment she was in a quad complex to go into the um, apartments that are that have the nursing care that was a tough transition so she went from about 1600 square feet to about 800 square feet one room instead of three or four and for my mom, the next step, which unfortunately is coming soon, and this this is going to be the really tough move. She's going to end up needing the full-time nursing. Mm. So that is another move. And that's what you would think of more as a nursing home environment. Yeah. So tell me what the process was like moving her into assisted living um, you know, cutting her living space in, in half. How did it go? How did she take it? How, how much did she fight back? When did she, and how did she finally give in, et cetera? I assume there had to be a lot of selling and negotiating going on. <laughs> yes. The first selling and negotiating was to have her get rid of her car and stop driving. Oh boy. That is a tough one. So letting go of the independence and that was aided because one of the nieces needed a car and she was going to college close by to where mom lives. So to sell the car to the niece, that was, that was a winner. That, <laughs> that made that whole transition go smoother. And that's when my chauffeuring picked up. So that put more of a burden on me. So for a, a long time, Every doctor's appointment, I would go and take mom, you know, I, I was the transport until that just this last, well, I, I wasn't allowed to see her for a full year during COVID. I wasn't allowed in her apartment. Mm. Um, they did Skype calls, which was helpful. Um, 
but that was that harder on you or her both both because she's a very social person did she understand why it was all happening or just totally she, confused she understood she supported she thought she will give high praises to the staff to the management that they kept them safe they had very few incidents of, of covid disease mm, not like some places not like some places um but the truth is the isolation was horrible it, now are they isolated from each other also he isolated them from each other also which oh my. Oh, yeah that i could so they weren't allowed to leave their room they weren't allowed to go to the cafeteria no, meals no. in the room meals in the room oh for a year <laughs> The better part of a year. Oh yes. my gosh! I just can't even imagine. It my was mother, overly cautious. My mother would not have handled that well. Well, on the on the logic side, she did, but on the physical sure. side, it was. It would just make her depressed. I would think. It did. It did. So things have uh, lightened up a little since then. Things have lightened up greatly since we've been able to get in and interact. And I am on a every other weekend schedule now. Is it because of the vaccine that things have changed or, or just yes, because of the vaccine and the way they, they have been doing it in Pennsylvania, we, we were one of the more strict states, as you can tell. Uh, if the number of reported cases in the County hits a certain threshold, then they close the doors to visitors. Mm. And the reason they were overly cautious is they have five campuses and they have staff that goes between I the see. campuses. Yeah. And so people were coming in from the outside anyway. Are they and testing daily over there uh, to the staff? They were back in May, June, they were testing um, they were testing anyone coming in. Really? A rapid test? Rapid test. Yeah. But thankfully, things At happened. their expense? Yes. Yes. Okay. It was gowns. It was masks. It was plastic yeah. shield and <laughs> test. Yes. Let's just do it all. And then it was supervised visits in a public spot. So it was the lobby or the chapel for 20 minutes at a time so well it's hard to believe how fast the time has gone uh and to finish this up what advice would you give anyone who's a caregiver uh, i would say take good care of yourself take okay. care of yourself. and um give that sounds like a beach boy song it, take good care is. of yourself <laughs> <laughs> it probably is and um, be be nice to yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. Um, do the best you can and be happy with that. Mm. And, and when um, what I really try to remind myself is that if I have to make an unpopular decision and it upsets my mom, I I don't take it personally. And I work it through with her to get her to a better place. And I, 
I really am blessed that she does bounce back. Um, mm. Although I have to say her low moments are much more frequent than they yeah. used to be. You, you had to deal with a lot of guilt uh, for a variety of reasons, didn't you? How do you deal with that? How do you not feel guilty? Um, part of what I do is call one of my siblings and say, you need to call her too. I can't be the only one because they're not as diligent about it. My sister is, my brother's not so much. So I've gotten very, bold. <laughs> I've gotten very bold and said, I can't get there for a month. You need to get there because she needs visits. So I, I'm, I get very bold. And if somebody doesn't like it, oh, well, <laughs> because I, I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for our mom. And fair advice. Yeah. Thank you so much. How do we buy the book? Sell Like Jesus. Thank you, Dave. So you can find it on my website, which is debbrownsales.com or at all the major retailers and, of course, Amazon. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a great, great time, and you were very entertaining and knowledgeable. Appreciate well, thank it. you, it's been my pleasure, and I hope <laughs> your audience gets something out of this today. Yeah, did you paint all those things behind you? Yes, I did. Oh, yes. wow. Did you paint with your mother, uh, teach her how to paint or anything like that? No, we did ceramics together. <laughs> I see. Are those watercolors? They are acrylic. Okay. Which is water-based. Yes. Awesome. Well, again, uh, to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in each and every uh, week. And we'll see you next week. Same time, same channel. And remember to go to caregiverdave.com and join our membership website. It's free. It's got lots of resources and all sorts of tools and, and gifts. And if you're watching this on YouTube or any other platform, just click that like button. It helps Google give us better um, what's that word? Algorithms and uh, allows more people to see these. So thank you again. And until next time, God bless you. Bye-bye.